0: guys, welcome to episode 30 of the Guest Life Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Whether you're listening or you're watching, it means the world. Today, we have the pleasure of meeting John Anthony Lozani with Lozani Homes. He is not only a public relations manager with Lozani Homes, but he is an actual rock star. I've heard him play live. Um, we talk a lot about this podcast and, and how we're connecting with, with Hamiltonians in the city that are, are making an impact, giving back, as well as really honing in on their craft. John Anthony, um, you know, I, I have the pleasure of knowing him personally as well as professionally. Um, and a lot of different organizations of what he does is very special for our community, um, as well as his business and, and all the clients that his business uh, handles. So we're so happy to have him. So welcome, John Anthony. Pleasure is mine, brother. Thanks for having me, man. Um, today we're going to get into it. We're going to talk a little bit about where he got started, um, the Lozane name, um, and then, and then just really find out like, you know, how you fit into such a family uh, oriented business that, that kind of is building the community, building communities, um, and, and giving back. So, uh, let's start off a little bit about, you know, what do you do as the, as the public relations manager? We talked a little bit earlier about, you know, what titles are and kind of wearing different hats, but how do you know, what do you do on your day to day?
1: So my day to day, I I locked the door to my office about almost coming on three years now, I think three years next week, actually. And I returned to the job site, actually, which is kind of where I cut my teeth as a 10 year old kid. Um, I kind of n- noticed a bit of a disconnect from um, a customer experience perspective, specifically uh, from the point construction started all the way uh, through a home's completion and eventual delivery. So, I kind of used that opportunity to help kind of bridge that gap and really solidify the customer experience. So, like I said, I've been back on the job site for three years now, and um it's been great it's been it's been really enjoyable getting back in touch with the practical portion of what we do, especially relative to uh the fact that I grew up on those job sites, right? So it's been really, really fun and um i'm in I'm in in front of our homeowners really on the day to day which uh which has been really, really rewarding,
0: yeah. I think like, you know, when people talk about getting into business and, and how the whole process works. So, you, you know, you think of biggest purchase that most people make in their entire lives, unless you're, you know, rolling deep in rolls or something like that. Maybe that car is worth more than the house. Whatever your whatever like is, whatever the passion is. Sure. But, um, you know, when you talk about client experience, like I think we've had so many guests on the show now that it really ingrains what the business is like, what the culture is like. How do you find, like, what did you identify that you were like, you know what, I, I got to make a change. And then how did you, you know, approach your team and say, this is what I want to do. Like, will you let me take the reins? Okay, it's a great question, man.
1: Um, we, we have what we call a touchpoint map. And it's essentially uh, maps on all of our points of contact with purchasers from the, or potential purchasers, I should say, from the time they walk into a sales uh, a sales office, whether it's out of curiosity or they're looking to buy, Uh, And all the way through till your home's completion. And as I mentioned earlier, I I noticed a bit of a disconnect, um, uh, whether it be communicationally or um, experience wise in general. And I thought, you know, we were, we were potentially losing a little bit of momentum right before we hand over the keys, when really, we should be gaining the most momentum at that point, because people are excited, they're about to have their keys, that should be that's the best opportunity to leave a really positive lasting impression. Yeah. So um, I kind of um, mapped out a bit of a strategy to help um, elevate those touch points, especially from the point of uh, construction from the time we dig. Yeah. Um, And it's really helped sure up that customer experience and um and help carry forward that positive momentum that I felt before was kind of getting lost. Yeah. And um, like I said, it's been almost three years now and it's uh, it's been a really good move. I think we're starting to really see the benefits from a customer experience perspective. I know our homeowners certainly appreciate it. And like I said, I've really enjoyed getting some FaceTime
0: with our customers as well. That's amazing, man. What do you, um, like, talk about cutting your teeth, like, right, on site. I know when I didn't know you and I was getting to know you, I was just like, you know, blown away, pers- first of all, with how involved you were in the process and creating that process and learning. And I know, you know, when people talk to me, they're like, oh, like, you know, was your dad a plumber? Was this and that? And it's like, well, you know, learning at the ground level, comparing yourself to what you know now, it, I find it so important to go through that entire process seeing it from the ground, but also like you said, you got up into the office and you got your you know, your desk now and it's like, okay, well, I don't wanna get too disconnected from that. I see an opportunity there. Tell us a little bit about what you cut your teeth on. Where'd you start? Were you sweeping? Oh,
1: absolutely. Were absolutely, you moving two
0: by fours? Yeah, like heck- yeah, all the above. All
1: the above. So I was, I was ten years old. Luckily, like you know me, Dan, I'm a big boy. <laughs> a little, yeah, I, I was pretty much <laughs> you, the you, same you, size you, at ten. Yeah, probably, luckily, the Ministry of Labor wasn't uh, as strict as it is now. So having a ten year old kid on site was not normal, but yeah, people kind of uh, looked looked away.
0: Ten year old kid with a beard.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So um, I remember when I was a little kid, like young, young, um, we'd go visit my dad on the job site. And, um, and I really started falling in love with the industry then. You know, a job site is a pretty marvelous place for a young kid. There's a lot of action there, right? And I remember seeing my dad in backhoes and just thinking, I'm like, you know, he's like a superhero. Like, how cool is that? So that's all I wanted to be. I, oh, I constantly wanted to be there. So um, when I was 10 years old, I remember my dad asked me, Goes, when's your last day of school? June, whatever. <laughs> when's your first day back? September, whatever. Okay, there's your work schedule. Yeah. So it started off really picking up garbage, picking up coffee cups and uh, stacking two by fours and sweeping. Yeah. Learned um, the, uh, the benefit of a, a good sweep, something that our <laughs> family still really holds in a high regard today. Yeah. Um, and when you're kind of getting involved in a general labor, uh, the general labor side, especially from a young age, you really do get to learn an awful lot. I remember when I was 11 years old, my second summer on site, I was seeing people, you know, the first summer was pretty much just sweeping houses, picking up garbage, just kind of general labor stuff. And then shortly after the summers that followed, I remember seeing somebody sanding and screwing the floor with a screw gun over the, the joints. And I remember thinking like, oh, that's the coolest thing in the world. I can't wait to one day I can do that. And then by the time I was able to start doing that job. I'm like, yeah, this job's not that fun actually.
0: (laughs) (laughs) A little repetitive.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But, but it was great. It was a great way. It was a great way to, uh, to get a solid, uh, knowledge base to Mm -hmm. your point, um, for what we do. And there's a lot of aspects to what we do, a lot of variables, but construction is always paramount. Right. So, uh, I really enjoyed those, like those early years on site kind of learning and, from the people around me asking questions to my trades and okay, well, why am I doing the tile now? Why am I putting the trim on now? So it was uh, it was a great learning experience, but a really exciting one.
0: Yeah. And from a young age, like learning that process, I mean, it, it kind of goes... I find it goes hand in hand with with all construction. I know from being a plumber like I started off being the farm boy for my first boss. Uh, yeah. On the weekends trying to get some cash. His son was a good friend of mine and, like getting that opportunity to just like use a power tool and he said the like you know sticks with me forever. He goes if you're you know running a power tool, putting gas in something, you're learning. So don't worry if it's always just your specific trade or just what you're doing. He's like you're always learning. He's like be aware you know, take note and understand, like you said, does the tile go first? Does the trim go first? Mm. What are we putting on the floor? And I think it's like, you know, for some of these, I know, like at a young age, you're stubborn. I want to screw in the nails.
1: Yeah, sure. I want to
0: put the floor sure. down. But it's like, okay, how do we get to these points? And then like, how do we progress per- further? Because when you get there, it's like, oh... I'm more about the process than the destination.
1: Absolutely. Uh, I always kind of joke to your point. I, I'm, I'm right there with you, Dan. I always kind of say the thrill for me is always in the chase. You know, the result is always great to have, but it's the journey to get there is what I think you have the most opportunity to, to learn from.
0: Yeah. So... I know a little bit of family history in terms of you know a little bit of your background, but but tell, I mean the guy is is unique. He's got a story, and we're trying to pull that out of him today. So tell us a little bit about you're going from your 10 years old, you're sweeping, and then you left the country for a little bit of time. Where were you? What were you doing for school? Oh,
1: there there was that was a bit of a large gap there because. Um, I would spend every summer, uh, every summer with the exception of one from 10 years old all the way through the end of university on the job sites. So after I graduated uh, Brock University, um, I worked full-time and I was really eager to start working full-time. But I always knew that graduate school was something I wanted to do. Um, And I, to be honest with you, I'd kind of got to a point after a couple of years working full-time that I felt my personal growth was a little bit stunted and that thought scared the shit out of me, man. I hated it. So, um, like I said, graduate school was on the back of my mind, uh, so, and I wanted to kind of do something a little bit dramatic to find out if I was if I was full of shit or not. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, go, what are you really made of? What do you actually do? You, do you think or do you know? So I went to the University of Barcelona for my MBA. And uh, I was very grateful for that opportunity. And I always say, I got two education. The business school there is exceptional, one of the, one of the finest in Europe, for and sure. And that's in Spain. That's in Barcelona, yeah. Spain. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Um, but I got another education there, too, right? Like, because, you know, it was a new country, um, no language. I'd never been there before. You know, setting up internet took me like three weeks to do. And I thought, oh, I'll be fine. I lived in the center of town. Um, you know, it's a big metropolitan European city. Yeah, I'll be fine. Then I realized, I'm like, yeah, I better learn fucking Spanish. Because <laughs> I was not fine. You're not fine. But yeah. honestly, man, it was the best thing I ever did. I um, Like I said, two educations, one in the classroom and one outside of it. Uh, I made a, a number of friends that I'm still very, very close with now. And um, I think a part of me is always going to belong over there. It's amazing. Under, under the Catalan sun.
0: Yeah. And I think that's such a, a unique thing. We talk about it sometimes in terms of – kind of taking a step back to take leaps forward. Absolutely. Right. right. A little bit of that slingshot effect. And what we say all the time here is like, don't be afraid to slow down to speed up. Right. Words of wisdom, man. Yeah. And, and I think like, you know, talking about your story and how, like I could only imagine the pressure that comes with being, you know, a Lozani and also like living up to a name that has been building communities and giving back to communities for, for years. And like, What was that? What went through your head when you said, you know, going back to school, taking a stop and saying, you know, I'm hitting a ceiling. Let's challenge myself a little bit. Let's see what I'm made of. What were like some of the lessons that you learned kind of going through that journey? Well, what drove me to do
1: it? Like I said, I felt like my growth was stunted a little bit, but ultimately I just, I just wanted to have more tools in the tool belt, essentially. You know, the company was starting to really experience some really tremendous growth Mm -hmm. and you know we were starting to really assemble a strong leadership team uh, many of which are still with us right now and um i just i just wanted to be a better version of myself so that I can contribute in a positive way. Love it. There is zero nepotism in our family and in our company. Zero. In fact, less than zero. If anything, that's a deterrent. <laughs> um, so uh, educate. You can never go wrong with education. Yeah. Um, I always joke that I'm a bit of a whore for knowledge. Yeah, yeah. And um, so uh, it, it, it definitely gave me some more um, some more tools to help be a, a better contributor to the company, um, which is really what drove the whole thing.
0: Yeah. And I love best best version of yourself. Um, absolutely love that. A, a good friend of mine has a business and they actually changed their company slogan from um, creating future leaders to creating um, the best version of our, our team, best version of themselves. And I thought like when I heard that and, and hearing the reason behind it, not everybody's a leader, right? Not everybody wants to be a leader. But... Uh, Everyone wants to have the best version of themselves sure. kind of lay out on the table and see where they can take it. I, I just absolutely love that, that piece there, right? And I think, you know, for anybody out there building a team and kind of diving into that, okay, like, you know, if we want to expand, we want to grow, what does that mean? And, you know, talking to people at the early stages of my career, it was it was always – oh yeah you, you know as you grow you get fucked and you know people will take from you and steal from you and this and that and then you know as you kind of elevate that conversation it's no people are amazing empower them give them tools teach absolutely let them man. learn and i think that's so special that you you know you come from a family where that's you know driven that's in, ingrained in your in your culture in your community and, and i think that's just awesome um I see you at 8.30 in the morning, you know, behind the Zoom screen when we have our uh, our WeHBA under 40 meetings on site all the time. But I also see you rock star at the events at night. How do you balance your personal and your work life? Uh, that's a or good does point. it is there no such thing? Because that's uh, okay too.
1: Yeah, you know what? For me, I'm kind of the wrong person to ask that, man, because it's a family company, and I've, you know, I really live and breathe it, as we all do. So, personal life, work life, it's kind of all one. But that said, there are, I think, balance is, is critical for any professional, for any human being. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, you, you mentioned the the rock thing. Yeah, let's. You know, I'm not an obsessive music fan, but I do love it more than most things. Um, so and I'm very fulfilled by what I do, very much so. But um, you know, I, I play in a little band and I like to play some music with uh with a couple friends. And it's a great way to channel some energy that uh, you know, uh, scratch an inch that doesn't get scratched during the day. Yeah. It's a great way to keep me grounded, even if after a long like last night, for example, really long day of work. You know, I'm taking off tomorrow, so a bit yep. of a short week, so I'm going a little bit crazy. And I got home to, you know, my band uh, already making noise in my basement. And I kind of like that. I don't really like to stop moving. That's when I get into trouble. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, that's been a great way to channel some energy. You know, we got a lot of friends. You and I are very similar in that way. Yeah. It's been so great to be back in dining rooms. Yeah. Even, Even something as silly as going out for dinner, something as trivial as that. Helps keep your feet on the ground and something to look forward to at the end of the day maybe. Um, being able to reconnect with friends in a kind of semi-normal circumstances now yeah. has been great. I feel like a lot of normal people would say their wife and kids at this point. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's silly. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, we
0: don't normally. Oh, uh, that's awesome. So just taking that out and and kind of getting those stages, like when uh, when it gets into like that ceiling, kind of going back to that point of of hitting that ceiling. Mm. You took those steps back. Also, like that next ceiling, which I think was, I mean, maybe the ceiling's not the right word, but talking about identifying that issue and saying, you know what, I want to get back into ingraining these new opportunities through the Mm -hmm. business. How do you find now, like, where do you find your motivation from? Is it just inherent? Is it, you know, do you doubt yourself sometimes or is it just, let's go, let's hit the ground, let's see what we can do with this business and, you know, see what we're capable of?
1: You know, I think there's always... I think for any young professional, there's always going to be a little bit of doubt, but I think that's okay, Dan. I think a little bit of doubt can help push you forward and uh, and be a motivator for people like us. Um, As far as what motivates me specifically, you know, now that I spend a lot more time in front of our customers again, we have a phenomenal construction team. These guys are, I'll I'll take the Pepsi challenge with any other construction team of the country as far as as I'm concerned. Uh, They inspire me. They inspire me a lot um, to be part of uh, something really, really great. um, Gives you a really good, gives me a really good push to get out of bed in the morning. Yeah. And um, we, we have a phenomenal team there, especially, well, across the company, but construction in particular where I spend most of my days and you know they keep me honest and we support each other we built a really healthy culture based on respect and support um I've been working on that constantly but um and that's what I've enjoyed too the dynamic of that on site because and you, and you know and you know this Dan on site you look after each other right you look cool. at your trades look after each other your team looks after each other almost looking, looking after the other person and I think that's that lends itself well to a really positive on-site culture. Mm-hmm. And um, being a part of that is really what helps motivate me mainly. Yeah. Among other things.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's, it's funny because it's like, you know, it's like having that purpose and that passion to say like, why am I up in the morning? It's like, well, you know, for me, it's, it's my team. Yeah. Right, clients. Absolutely. Community. And being able to say like, you know, I don't get a choice. It's not really a choice, but it's, a, it's that pressure is what we've created for ourselves. It was optional at one point. It's Mm -hmm. not optional anymore. No, no, it's not. And it's (laughs) it's funny because there's days where you might think that it is optional, but it's not. And I think, you know, that's something that is, uh, I'm very grateful for. I know you are. And it's like kind of getting into that ingrained kind of passion for the day-to-day I, I started calling it gliding instead of grinding because I thought – I like that. I like that <laughs> a lot actually. Yeah, because everyone's like, oh, it's a grind. It's like, well, no, my shit is oiled and it's fucking gliding. Yeah, yeah you, you know go. what I, I mean? I'm going to use
1: that, Dan, if you don't mind. Yeah,
0: it's, it's stolen. So, um, you know, talking about culture and talking about, you know, again, which is really important from a builder's perspective is your trades are working together with your team on site and all that stuff. How do you find that translates into your community? Because I know the business has done stuff not only in this community, but internationally, like, tell us a little bit about that, because I don't know if everybody knows, but any big event that I've ever been to, especially with the Builders Association, this, you know, this guy is up on stage, he's talking, he's introducing people. Um, we joined uh, a, a guest, we joined the uh, WeHBA Builders Association a couple years ago, um, and I didn't even know him. And, and now you consider him a good friend, and it's kind of, it's nice to not only be there for the community to get back, but the community that you're kind of building within your trade industry.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. Another great question. So this is our 45th year in business, which is kind of absurd to me. Um, and a lot of our trades uh well a, a lot of our trades yeah you know they were they were with us with my father and my grandfather on the first Losani home and the second Losani home so we have some really long standing working relationships some going back 40 years some 30 years 20 years um and uh and it's great when there's that, that amount of continuity there um it really helps and i think it shows in the end product as well um we have great trades and i think finding What's, what I found to be key is aligning yourself with trade partners that kind of share your values as a company. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're very, very fortunate to have the trades that we do. Um, they do a great job for us. They work well within our team. Even though they're technically sub-trades, you know, the company scaled in such a way that even, even pretty large um, uh, trade companies can work for us exclusively. So... Um, it doesn't really feel like a sub-trade at that point. It feels like you're kind of under, like you're part of the family. which yeah, is course. Which is absolutely what it is. So um, we're very, very lucky in that way. And, it, and especially from a practical perspective, a construction perspective, when you have long-standing relationships like that, it's certainly a little bit easier. Because as you know, there's a lot of stuff, a lot of variables that can pop up on the job site. So when you have a really positive working relationship that's based on support and respect, uh, it makes those... It makes those kind of, uh, those potential, those variables that could cause you to stumble a little bit easier to navigate.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You got a couple of people there trying to help you out and yeah. make it work. Yeah. And, and we see that a lot of the times and, you know, just even different industry, right? Sure. Right. The accountant's working with the lawyers to make sure the deal goes through. It's like, you know, let's, let's catch each other. Right. Let's not let the egg drop. Yeah. Um, and then how does that translate to what you guys do for the community? in well, terms of you know giving back and helping like i know so many initiatives that you guys work on i'm not going to name them all today but like you know what's something that really sticks out to you that you guys think wow we're really proud of this well well speaking of the
1: charitable uh, the charitable aspect of our company we started the Lozani Family Foundation a few years ago wow. and that was all um that was all a result from over the years going back god 12 plus years now my uncle my uncle fred um he's an amazing guy You know, giving back was always uh, woven into the fabric of our company. You know, my grandfather can still remember, you know, the church giving my father winter coats and the rest of his kids because they didn't have any money. So he remembers very well um, when there was a helping hand for him when he needed one. So that has stayed very, very much at the forefront of of what we do. So, you know, my uncle had a series of really incredible um, uh, expeditions to raise money for local families like he hiked the entirety of the bruce trail he did he hiked the north pole like the 90th parallel in 24-hour sunlight he hiked the south pole and that was all to help um local families and you know once we started really getting uh, some really great momentum some really great participation from friends and colleagues in the community uh, itself you know we decided it was time to go a little bit bigger because it's great. Like we love Hamilton. Like I love Hamilton the same way you love Hamilton, but there's a lot of people that need help and you know, um, things were going really well at the company. So we started using that as a tool to fuel the family foundation and really make our presence felt internationally. So we partnered up with we uh, formerly free the children, Craig Kilberger. Okay. And we've done some incredible projects I myself um, spent um, about a month in Ecuador with uh, my uncle Fred, my cousin, uh, my cousin Steven, who's uh, one of our top site supervisors. And uh, we were funding and building a hospital that was going to help service 14,000 people off the Napo River. And I mean, you are in the Amazon jungle where portions of, of villages, depending on the water levels, might get submerged or might get lost to the river. Wow. So, um that was absolutely incredible and seeing the kind of impact I was there firsthand, but we've done a few other things. We've done a lot of, a a ton of work in Western Kenya. We've done some work in India with we, and, um, but that was my personal experience, uh, being there, getting my hands dirty. And I said to my cousin, Stephen, I remember this vividly, you know, I speak Spanish, right. From being, uh, from my time away. So I was able to communicate with them, which was really cool. Um, and I said to my cousin Stephen, I go, they might be expecting us to maybe shake some hands and kiss some babies, but we're here to work. So let's show them how we do things. And I remember, I'll never forget the village elder. We were digging a trench around a portable to help uh help siphon water out. And uh he I I don't think he expected to see us working the way we did. But I'll tell you what, I, I joked afterwards, seeing the way that that those villagers work, the strength of of all the villagers, the children, the women, the, the, um, the elders. Yeah. Um, I said, if, if I could bring those guys back here, we'd build 2000 houses a year, <laughs>
0: <laughs> man, that's amazing. And it, and it, and it's amazing to see the journey of what you guys have done and kind of how the development is, is like, everybody needs help at one point. Right. Absolutely. And, uh, and remembering that when you get to an area of, of being able to give back, I think it's a very fortunate thing to be able to do. Um, and like I said, just, you know, having you on the show and kind of, you know, hearing a little bit about this, I don't think everybody understands kind of the magnitude of what, what a person and then a company and then an organization and a community can do for so many different people when they kind of put their heads together. It's not so much, like you said, digging the hole. It's not so much the monetary value all the time. Sometimes it's the time. Sometimes it's the, you know, donation or the old piece of clothing, like these things make an impact and and it's Hard to see sometimes how much of an impact it's making. But um, hats off to you guys. Like, I think that's just fantastic. And
1: Very kind of you, buddy. Yeah,
0: being able to do that is just, uh, I'm sure it's an honor.
1: Yeah, like I said, it was really rewarding. And um, I was there for the construction of the hospital. But the the following year, my father, my grandfather, was able, was able to go down there for the actual ribbon cutting. Wow. And it was a pretty emotional experience. Because if you would have seen what the old hospital, and I use hospital in air quotes, it was literally a half-sunk boat, off the Napo River, that was really infested by, you know, all sorts of poisonous insects. So, um, you know, the the tears amongst the physicians yeah. and, uh, the, and the and the surrounding villagers. You know that that's something you'll never forget. And it, you know, it's uh, I know it might sound a little bit cliche, but it really gives you perspective into. What really matters, because we can get swept away, um, you know, the company has been very successful and uh, it can easily, it's easy to get swept away in the work or in the, certainly in the success, but, um, you know, things like that, charitable giving, um, our charitable giving through the Losani Family Foundation has really helped keep our feet firmly on the ground and give us perspective into what, what really
0: matters at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And it's been incredibly rewarding. I can't tell you, I can't tell you, man. That's awesome. So, you know, getting to the end of the podcast here, what we want to hear, and and I know the listeners tuning in is just, you know, blowing them away with some of the content here is, you know, what advice would you give to your younger self or maybe somebody coming up in the industry, maybe second generation, maybe first generation, like third generation, like what advice would you give? I know that's a very broad question, but whatever kind of moves you right now. You know what helped? What helped me, and something that I share with some of my younger
1: cousins or you know friends and colleagues through through your under forty young professionals committee through the WHBA. I always find accountability. If you can hold yourself accountable, be disciplined in holding yourself accountable. Um, that's a pretty valuable tool. I feel, um, yeah. Accountability is kind of paramount. Surrounding yourself with good people, not being afraid to ask questions. There can be a lot of egos involved in these things, right? And and, and that transcends industry. Um, not to be afraid to ask what might be deemed a silly question. You know, I joked before, I like to think of myself as a bit of a whore for knowledge. Yeah. And I want to get as much of it as I can. Um, and surrounding yourself with great people, asking the right questions, accountability, and... You know, it's not, I don't mean to answer a, a broad question with a broad answer, but just work hard, man. Just work hard. Put your head down. When you, I tell myself, and I did when I was a little bit younger, sometimes you get a little bit frustrated and, um, you know, climb in the ladder, so to speak. And I always joke, you know, when you think you've done enough, you're typically about a fraction of the way there. So put your head down, stay disciplined, keep your feet on the ground. And typically, if you can kind of, at least for me, follow those uh, kind of principles, good things tend to happen.
0: Oh, that's amazing. And uh, you know, I think uh, you know, the accountability piece is massive. We we talk a lot about, you know, holding yourself accountable and then being there and then asking for help. And that that asks that silly question, those are the things that kind of pull you to that next stage. Yeah. Right? Hold yourself accountable, make sure that's ingrained in your Being, if you want to be an entrepreneur, like I said, uh, I think there was a quote from Elon Musk, uh, what's a piece of advice that you would give to an entrepreneur? And it was, if you're looking for a piece of advice to be an entrepreneur, you're not an entrepreneur. (laughs) A little bit of tough love. And I loved it because it's like, sometimes it's like, I need the answer for this, or I'm almost there. It's like, just put your head down, work hard. You're going to make it if that's what you do and focus. Simple things consistently over a long period of time. Uh, we joke about the secret sauce all the time and that it doesn't exist, you know, go buy Big Mac, Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> I love that. yeah, I love that, buddy. But, uh, yeah, thank you so much for being on the show, John Anthony. Um, you know, I know the listeners are, are watching and tuning in. It's just, it's great to get to know you, get to meet you on a personal level, but also to be able to share it, um, on a larger scale. Um, so thank you so much.
1: It was an absolute pleasure. My, um, I absolutely
0: loved it, man. Thank you so much. So. Everybody tuning in, whether you're watching it, whether you're listening, uh, we always want to end the show. We ask that question: Why not me? Why not now? Uh, we can make a difference, big, small. You just got to start. Be consistent. Um, you heard it from John Anthony himself, someone that's doing incredible things, not only for his business, the community, but you know the the organizations that he gives back to. Um, you'll be able to get all the information to to either donate to the Losani uh, Home Foundation um, or just just learn a little bit about john anthony and the business or, or buy a house whatever you want so <laughs> thanks for tuning in guys and uh we'll see you next time pleasure guys thank you